Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode number 37 of Fireside. We are coming to you, as always, from the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network studios here in Dublin. We are, when this episode comes out, we will be one day away from our very first live show. That is the Fireside Sessions beginnings, August 22nd at Bellow Bar here in Dublin. If you're coming, I hope you're looking forward to it. And if you're not, if you if this is the first you've even heard of it, the Fireside Sessions, as I say, is our very first live show. It's going to be an evening of storytelling, of folklore, mythology, some true tales and some music throughout We've got fantastic guests coming along. We've got Angus Hogue McAnally, uh, the director of Rise Productions. We have my good friend Katie McCann, who runs another theatre company called uh, Illustrated Productions here in Dublin. She's a brilliant writer, producer and director herself, uh, producer and actor herself. And we have got Thomas Kane Byrne, uh, who runs the Breadline Collective. They are three... They're tr- three triple threats, basically. The three of them are all actors, writers, and producers. And uh, Thomas and Angus direct as well. But first and foremost, the three of them are fantastic storytellers. They all have uh, very deeply rooted passions and knowledge of the mythology and folklore between them. From differing sources, Angus is a big man on the Irish mythology. Katie's really big into folklore. And Thomas uh, is about to do a show in the Dublin Theatre Festival about Lowry Lynchock, believe it or not. Which was uh, only on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So I've asked the three of them, the three of them are all close friends of mine, and I thought that they'd be fantastic storytellers to have on the night, and I can't wait to see what they have for us. I will be hosting it and telling stories throughout, and then in we will also have a brilliant musical guest in Dara and Hall Healy from Boxing Banjo. They're two of the greatest Irish trad musicians I've ever seen. They're going to really bring bring a touch of class and bring in a really exciting element to the evening, and I can't wait for you all to see them. If you can't make it, if you live in a different country, or even if you live in this country and you can't make it, uh, do not worry. We will be recording the night and releasing it as a live podcast, possibly in one part, possibly in two parts. I don't know yet. We'll have to see how long the evening actually goes and how it turns out but we are recording it and hoping to release it at a later date so if you are living somewhere across the sea in a different part of the world do not worry you will still be able to experience our first live show 
And if you've been listening to me plugging it over the last month, this will be the last episode. The next episode I record, we will not have had it yet. It will uh, it will still be because I'm a couple of episodes ahead of myself. But if you listen to this next one and you're wondering to hear how it goes, and I haven't talked about it, don't anticipate that it's gone totally disastrously just yet. It may have, but I won't be ignoring it next time. I'll just be waiting a couple of weeks before I record an episode after the night itself. But that will be the last of our plugs. So that is the Fireside Sessions, beginnings August 22nd, Bellow Bar, 8pm. Tickets available on my in my bio at Fireside Bard or on eventbrite.ie forward slash the Fireside Sessions beginnings. That is it. If you are a first-time listener to this podcast, that probably none of that applies to you. But you are very welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a returning listener, thank you as always for continuing to listen. If you like this podcast, please do continue to subscribe to leave ratings and comments on itunes they really really do make a difference each and every one of them and you can follow me on instagram at fireside bard all one word if you follow me already on my other instagram uh, it is the same instagram i've just changed the username to be a little bit more user friendly for the podcast so it is now just at fireside bard and that is plugs done the episode today is the interestingly titled Gold Tree and Silver Tree. You wouldn't guess it from the title, but this is an adaptation of probably one of the most famous stories in the world. And if you haven't read the bio, maybe don't, because I'll probably give the game away, but I won't give the game away here. I'll talk about it after when we finish telling the story, but I'm sure it'll become very immediately apparent to most people what this story is, an adaptation of... Uh, but I let you figure all that out for yourselves and enjoy the tale of Gold Tree and Silver Tree on Fireside. Gold Tree and Silver Tree. There once was a king in Ireland with a wife named Silver Tree. When the couple had a daughter, they named her Gold Tree. And she grew up to be kind and considerate and incredibly beautiful. This was not something Goldtree herself took notice of, but it certainly was noticed by her mother. Silvertree was obsessed with appearances and with her own beauty. Looking at Goldtree was like looking into a mirror, and it became a cursed mirror. People would frequently mistake them for sisters, but they were not sisters. Goldtree was Silvertree's daughter, her much, much younger daughter. When Goldtree went from being a young girl to a young woman, her mother, Silvertree, went out for a walk. Her paranoia for her waning beauty, all the while her daughter blossomed, had driven Silvertree to madness. In a glen she found a well, in which dwelt a trout, an enchanted trout that was said to know a great many truths. The queen had visited this trout many times, and there was only one truth she ever sought the answer to. Oh, trouty little fellow, am I the most beautiful woman in the world? To which the trout would always reply, Yeah, you're gorgeous like. But this day, when Silvertree asked the same question, Trouty little fellow, am I the most beautiful woman in the world? The answer was, Nah, you're grand like, but there's one who's even more gorgeous. Who? demanded Silvertree, knowing well the answer and trembling to hear it. Your daughter, 
gold tree. Well, we'll see about that. And Silvertree stormed back to their castle and cast herself into bed. She vowed that she would never be well again until she had eaten the heart and liver of her own daughter. The heart and liver, the source of beauty, or so it would seem. When the king heard his wife was unwell, he went to her. My dear wife, I would trade all the riches in the world for your health. There is a way, my love. Harsh as it may seem, I have been assured it is the only way. What? Anything. If I feast upon the heart and liver of gold tree, I will be cured. This put the king in an obviously difficult position. He had married Silvertree because he thought her the most beautiful woman in the world, and she'd given him a perfect daughter. Goldtree had grown into a woman that the king felt neither of them deserved. He could never let her come to harm. But the king thought of a potential solution. A prince from a distant land had asked for Goldtree's hand in marriage. If the king sent his daughter away, she would be safe from Silvertree and the protection of a future king. She would always be looked after. So, in secret, Goldtree was smuggled out of the kingdom off to her new husband. And the king had a goat killed and its heart and liver cut out and fed to Silvertree. And the queen rose from the bed healthy and well. A year later, the queen returned to the well to ask the trout again, Trouty, little fellow, am I the most beautiful woman in the world? And the answer was, Nah, you're grand-like, but there's one who's even more gorgeous. Silvertree was outraged. She wasn't prepared for this answer. Who? she demanded. I told you before, like, your daughter, Goldtree. She's dead. I ate her heart and liver. She's alive and well. It was the heart and liver of a goat that you ate. Silvertree spiralled into a fiery rage. She ran to her husband. You told me that you killed Goldtree. And you told me that only the heart and liver of our daughter would heal you. Yet here you are, alive and well, and so is our daughter safe in the arms of her new husband. At this, Silvertree changed her tactic. You are so right, my love. I am overjoyed our daughter still lives. Ready me a ship. I want to go and visit her. And so a ship was prepared, and with Silvertree herself at the helm, it sailed over to Goldtree's new home. When Goldtree looked out her window and saw a ship approaching, she recognised her father's sails. She's found out I'm alive. She's come to finish the job. At the time, Goldtree's husband was out hunting, so the princess decided to lock herself in her room and refused to see any visitors. Silvertree came to the castle and to her daughter's door and said, Goldtree, my child, open this door and give your mother a kiss. Would that I could, mother, but I am locked in here. You'll have to come back another time. Will you at least stick your finger through the keyhole that I may kiss some part of you? Goldtree saw no harm in this, and stuck her little finger through the keyhole. Upon its sight, Silvertree stabbed the part of her daughter with a poison needle, and Goldtree fell to the ground, dead. Hearing the deed done, Silvertree left the castle and sailed home. When Goldtree's husband, the prince, came home, he was devastated to discover the dead body of his own love. 
So perfect did she look even in death that the prince could not bring himself to bury her. He had her left in that bedroom, locked away. He had failed to protect her in life. He would not fail her again in death. Eventually, the prince was forced to marry again. He was heir to a throne and had a line to continue. It was a beautiful and charming young woman who became his new bride, but he could not love her truly as his heart belonged to Goldtree. From her arrival at the castle, the new bride had always been forbidden from entering a certain room. She did not know why or what was inside. She only knew she wasn't allowed in there. But as it is a powerful curse, curiosity would get the better of the wife. And one day while her husband was out hunting, she picked the lock of the room and discovered the body of Goldtree inside. The second wife had known that her husband had been married before and that his wife had died. But it was understandably a shock for her to find her dead body still in the castle. What was more was that the body was still perfectly preserved. Her skin, her hair, all was perfect. Even though Goldtree was not breathing, the second wife concluded the princess must still be alive. So she examined the body until she found the poisoned needle still in the little finger. The new wife removed the needle and miraculously Goldtree returned to life. When the prince came home, the second wife approached him and said, I have something for you that will bring you great joy. That is good of you, but the only thing that could bring me joy would be my beloved gold tree. It is her. She is alive and well. The incredulous prince did not believe her, of course, but the second wife brought him into a room and there, to his astonishment, was his darling gold tree. The second wife said, She is who you should be with. It is her you love. I should leave this place. You shall do no such thing, said the prince. For this outrageous gift you have given me, I shall look after you for the rest of your days. Back in Era, Silvertree went out to the well one more time. Trouty, little fellow, am I the most beautiful woman in the world? How many times do I have to tell you? No, your daughter Goldtree is. You're not even in the top two at this stage. Impossible, cried Silvertree. She's dead. I killed her myself this time. Well, you didn't do a very good job, did you? So Silvertree had that ship readied again. With herself at the helm, she sailed to finish off Goldtree for good this time. Goldtree and the prince's second wife became great friends. And when they saw the queen's ship come sailing over the horizon, Goldtree cried, It's my mother. She's definitely come to finish me off this time. I must hide. You'll do no such thing, said the second wife. This is your home. You are a princess. She cannot harm you. Let's go and meet her. So the two women went down to the shore to greet the queen. My beloved gold tree, you have come to greet your mother. You look so thin, my darling. I have prepared you a very special drink to revitalize you after your brush with death. The queen revealed a pouch filled with liquid. She handed it to Goldtree, but the second wife interjected. Forgive us, your majesty, but in this country it is customary when offering a drink to taste it first yourself. This, of course, put Silvertree in an awkward position. She put the liquid to her lips and pretended to drink. At which point the second wife grabbed Silvertree to restrain her, while Goldtree forced the queen to drink every drop of the contents of the pouch. The poisoned liquid filled the queen's body, and Silvertree fell down dead and they buried her there in the sand.
The king in Aram mourned for his wife and lamented the madness that had consumed her. He sailed over to see his daughter Goldtree, and when the king met the prince's second wife and heard of her situation, Goldtree's father offered to bring the prince's second wife back to Era to marry her. She agreed, and it all worked out for everyone. The end. And there we have the... Uh, the very strange and startling story of Gold Tree and Silver Tree, which, I mean, to be fair, you may or may not have gotten. Uh, it is the story of Snow White. It is the an Irish version of Snow White. Yes, indeed, uh, with very, very different elements. I even think that uh, the only other grim tale I think we've really done has been... Uh, well, the, of the proper, proper famous ones has been the Cinderella when we did Fair Brown and Trembling. And that was quite different to its grim counterpart as well, but it was definitely closer in elements than this is, I fear. I fear. I think. You've got a few things and a few crucial changes. My favourite change is that Silvertree is Goldtree's mother. She's not her stepmother. We do have a little bit of stepfathers and stepmothers in in Irish folklore, but not nearly to the same extent as it is in the Grimm and in German and European folklore. Yes, you don't have anything as much the same influence of uh, the stepmothers or the appearance of stepmothers and stepfathers in Irish folklore as you do in the Germans. Uh, most, very much so, like in this story right here, in Gold Tree and Silver Tree. We have the trout, rather than the magic mirror, we have this bonny little trout, who I just can never... I can never help just being the trout of no crack whenever a trout appears in any way in any of these stories. I'm only one man, the trout of no crack from the rubber man. That's probably my favorite of their inventions over the years. I adore them so much. I adore the trout so much and cannot ever help doing an impression of him. But Silver Tree is... I love this image, this image of her sailing over to Goldtree's home, that she takes a very active involvement. In the Snow White fairy tale, the queen is almost passive, or she's getting other people to do her dirty work, and as a last resort, uh, she goes out and goes herself, and in the Disney version, she transforms into, into this old woman and brings her the apple and everything, and I quite like all that. In the Irish version here, we have Silvertree take a much more hands-on approach to dealing with her daughter. It's all active. She is taking full control of that, and there's no better image for that than her sailing over. We have a couple of elements. We have like her pricking the needle rather than an apple. She pricks her with a poisoned needle, which is obviously very like Sleeping Beauty, Briar Rose, with her pricking her finger on the spinning wheel. But we have this added thing. The similar element is in the Grim Fairy Tale. The prince refuses to, or rather, it's the Seven Dwarves. They refuse to uh, to bury her perfect body, and they leave her preserved out. And it's actually in the Grim Fairy Tale they sell the dwarves sell the princess's body to the prince, and he's dragging her body down the road. And she goes over a bump, and the apple dislodges from her throat. And she comes back to life. It's actually just that she choked on the... Which isn't quite the same as true love's kiss, is it? But there's something kind of wonderful about it, isn't there? 
But here we have the same element of her leaving her in the bedroom perfectly preserved. But we have the added element of a second wife who never gets a name. I'm very conscious that she never gets a name and I never commented on that or or uh, I gave her one. I just It didn't seem right just calling her something like Mary or Deirdre when we have names like Gold Tree and Silver Tree. I don't know, should I have called her Bronze Bush or something? Or made some comment on it, but uh, it was an unfortunately unnamed character. But she's brilliant, the second wife, in that it is, I love that it is her who is the one who really saves the day. And she is rewarded by not being sent off. She's put in a very awkward position, obviously, then, that she has resurrected her husband's first love and only love. And then she says, I guess I'll go. And he says, no. And what are you going to live? One one happy family, the three of them together. But then that was my added element, which I quite liked. I I wanted the king, uh, the uh, gold tree's father, who had probably had a difficult marriage to Silver Tree over the years with her being so vengeful and always trying to murder their daughter. I wanted him to have a bit of happiness as much as I wanted the second wife to have a bit of happiness. And hopefully they did give each other some nice years after all of the hardship they had at the hands of Silver Tree. She's definitely one of been one of my favourite characters, Silver Tree, and she is just that archi- archetype archetypical character, isn't she, of the the wicked stepmother. She is the wicked stepmother, except that she is the actual mother, which adds that extra level of oomph and extra level that extra level of uh, bite to it when it is her actual biological daughter. And she wants to eat her heart and liver. Not just, I believe it's just the heart in the Grim Fairy Tale, but kiss a bit of that liver as well for Silver Tree. But I speak, I guess that really speaks for itself. Otherwise, I'm not going to talk around in circles and ramble for no reasons. But I really hope you enjoyed the tale of Gold Tree and Silver Tree today on Fireside. I am going to go off now and look after my poor El Trone. So now it's an Irish for anyone as well. Um, I'm a little sniffly today. I know I can be sniffly quite a lot in this. This feels like a different thing. It's an allergy-related thing. That's driving me demented, but I won't make that your problem anymore. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you're a new listener, I hope you enjoyed this sampler folktale. Why don't you go back and listen to other episodes and see what we're building up to. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do continue to like, subscribe, and leave ratings and comments on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Please hopefully come to our live show, The Fireside Sessions, Bellow Bar, 8 p.m., it's tomorrow. It, I think it'll be tomorrow when this episode is released. If this episode goes out next Wednesday, yes, it should be, which is terrifying. But I'm really, really, really excited about it, and hopefully it'll be a good success because I'd love these to be a semi-regular thing. If this night goes well tomorrow, we will definitely do a Halloween show in October, to which will be very near the one-year anniversary of this podcast, which is bizarre and it's crazy, and I can't wait. But that is all. That's counting my chickens before the hatch. We have to have our first show first next week in Bellow Bar, which I cannot, cannot wait for. So hopefully we'll see some of you there. It'll be great to meet some more of the fans of this show. I would love that very much. And I hope you enjoy it. So we will see you all. Thank you so much, as always, to the folks here in Headstuff and to Jamie Reynolds, the producer of this podcast, for editing it and making it sound pretty. And thank you all so much to the listeners as well. And I will see you all. You will hear me all next time around the fireside. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.